the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi everybody, Ron Geyer with more End Time Insights. We appreciate you listening and we just hope to make an investment in you. You know, if you want God's best, you must invest. And so we're going to invest the Word of God in you. Today's show is going to be called Men Shall Be Lovers of Themselves. It's an end time application of the Bible right out of Second Timothy 3. But I want to mention something. Um, we just did our Patriots for Christ class on Sunday nights and we had a really good time. And Basically, what we're doing is we are preparing the body of Christ for the election. Actually, you can begin voting already, early voting. It's a primary season. And what that means is that the Democrats and the Republicans, they will be choosing between their own candidates and deciding who they will be setting up for the general election to run uh, against, you know, the Republicans will get candidates to run against the Democrats and vice versa. And so you want to be very selective when you're voting. I want to give you one scripture that may help you. It's found in Exodus 18.31 when God was telling Moses that you needed to go ahead and get some people to help you. And the scripture was, choose from among yourselves able men, able men that fear the Lord, that love the truth, and that hate covetousness. And so that's what you're looking for. That is your standard. Uh, I would suggest that you go ahead to get some uh, voter guides. Print up your ballot ahead of time. You can go to harrisvotes.com or FortBendVotes.com, or MontgomeryVotes.com, and you can pick up the ballot, just type in your name and your address, and you'll get a ballot. If you know your ballot ahead of time, you can do your research ahead of time, and you can make better decisions. Also, there's something called iVotes, iVotes Guide, G-U-I-D-E, iVotes Guide, and that will give you more information on all the candidates. Just punch in Texas, and you'll get some help with that. So, Consider that our public service announcement. Last week, we spoke about the love of God. What is the love of God? And we showed you that the love of God is five words, five words only. It was found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. This is the love of God, five words, that we keep his commandments. That's what it is. That's what God said it is. And God first loved us. He demonstrated that love to us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ who knew no sin became sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we showed you how that love was being counterfeited in the church. I want to follow through on that today, and I want to talk about the uh, scripture in Timothy where it talks about that men would be lovers of themselves. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through five. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. So we see that right there, that there will be perilous times. And then 
Verse 2 talks about why will there be perilous times? There will be perilous times because men will become lovers of their own selves. That dynamic creates a time of risk, a time of great danger. The Greek word right there when it talks about perilous times is chalepos, and it literally means times of great personal risk, times of danger, incontinence among men where there are no longer restraints upon mankind. And this is all a result because why? Because men love themselves. They've made gods out of themselves rather than acknowledging God, the creator, Jehovah. And this is the result of that in a society, in a culture. The actual word there, chalepos, it's used in the classic Greek, and it's used for describing like dangerous animals or like a raging sea that puts you in peril. It's only other New Testament usage is when they were talking about the madman of Gadara. And he was the one, he was so fierce, you couldn't walk by him, they couldn't chain him, he would break the chains. That's the same word used in describing him. So that should give you a good emotional word picture of the danger in which we are living in now. And once again, it's all the result of men loving themselves. Lovers of self aptly heads the list of all the other 18. There's Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. There's 18, 19 characteristics of man's wicked behavior in these last days, in these perilous times. At the head of that is the fact that men shall be lovers of themselves. That heading, men shall be lovers of self, and everything that follows after that is the result of men loving themselves. The word literally is self-lovers, and it points to the fact that the center of gravity for natural man is self rather than God the Creator. It talks about men will be covetous, men will be boasters, men will be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. All of that is a result of men choosing to love himself rather than loving God the Creator. Boasting, obviously, pride and blasphemy, they each act as if mankind is the most important person in the world. Each of them say, you don't matter to me, God does not matter to me, all that matters to me is me. And obviously, boasting, pride, blasphemy, they're all over our entertainment industry, our athletic sporting teams. They just exhibit that at every opportunity. The news media covers it. They think it's great. Even the churches promote it. You've got to have a healthy self-attitude. I'm sorry. That's arrogance. That's pride. The Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Now, you may weigh yourself against the skills and the talents and the accomplishments of other people in the earth, and you may come out looking pretty good, but at the end of the day, you're still the clay. You're just still a drop of mud, and God's gone ahead. He made you in his image. Once you begin to deny that image that God's created you in, once you begin to exalt yourself, remember Satan, I will exalt myself like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. That's what we've done in our society. Romans 1 talks about that. We've replaced God with man. We've recreated God in the image of mankind. Why? Because we love one another. The natural result of that is the society where you have a dangerous, perilous environment. Romans 12.1 talks about the fact that because Mankind, when they knew God, we knew God, all mankind has known God at some point, not on the level of being born again with reborn spirits where I'm talking about where we live now is being a Christian, having the Holy Spirit living inside you. But the Bible says they knew God and they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful. That thankful word is important because we see that word used also in Second Timothy 3. I'll read it again. They shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. They shall be disobedient to their parents. They shall be unthankful and unholy. 
when mankind refuses to give thanks to the creator who made them, when we live a life without having a thankful heart, something happens. We lose the ability to be holy. And that's so important because Romans says when you lose the ability to be thankful and you lose that holiness, we become vain in our minds and our foolish hearts become darkened. I mean, everything is progressive. You know, we choose not to give thanks to God as the creator. That robs us of the opportunity to manifest a holy image that God created us in. Our minds become darkened and our hearts, our foolish hearts become darkened. It's just a progression or should I say a degression, a digression of the creation of mankind as he falls into this pit of depravity that has nothing to do with representing the God that made us. It's so important to have a thankful heart. It's so important to allow that, the fact that God, he's the potter, I'm just the clay, that God is the creator of everything. I can't stand before God in my own strength, in my own goodness. He's God, I'm not. John Osteen used to tell us, I've got a great revelation. It's simple, but it's something I live by every day. He's God and I'm not. That is so important. You must talk about that amongst yourselves and keep that thankful spirit. Once they knew God, but they didn't give him the glory due his name. And when they didn't give him the glory that was due his name, they became unthankful. Their hearts were darkened. And this is what's left a bunch of men who love themselves, have created a perilous environment for us. God never intended for us to live on this earth in peril. But because man has said, I will exalt myself, I will be God, because man has rejected God, we've not just neglected God. In America, we have rejected God. We are attempting to remove him from our schools, our public buildings. We're attempting to remove him from our judicial system. We're removing him from our political landscape. Our government no longer can say prayers that acknowledge God. We've removed him from even the most basic things that God is the creator of life. The Supreme Court shook their fist in God's hand and said, no, you are not the creator of life. We will decide whether babies can live or die. I mean, this is just an abomination before the Lord. I thank God for his mercy. We could so easily be destroyed. A couple of more verses, 3 and 4 in Second uh, Timothy 3. Perilous times, lovers of themselves, they will be without natural affection. They'll be truce breakers. That refers to marriage, covenant breakers, divorce. They'll be false accusers. Have we not seen them accusing President Trump falsely of the Russian collusion, of the involving Russia in the elections to steal the election from Hillary? My heavens, this is just so ridiculous. They accuse him about anything. Now they're accusing him about telling Attorney General Barr what to do about the Stone court case. It's just amazing. You know, I heard something once. It's hilarious. President Trump, it's a joke. It's not real. But President Trump was in a little barge going across the, the water in New York, let's say. He was taking a little barge across the water. And a little girl was there. And she had a dog. And she dropped the dog in the water. President Trump says, no problem, I'll get it. He gets out and he walks on the water. And the headline in the news was the next day was President Can't Swim. I mean, you know, they will do anything they can to demean the man. And that is hand in hand, part and parcel with the end time behavior of mankind because we love ourselves so much. All because we became lovers of self more than lovers of God. The Bible talks about in these last days, we're going to have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And there's a warning in there. Paul tells Timothy, from such turn away. We're supposed to be walking away from these people. Sure, we offer them salvation. We preach them the gospel. but We have no fellowship with them. We don't go out and we have meals and invite them to our parties and bring them on the boards of our companies and 
go to events with them, unless we're in the place of ministry to them. Because more often than not, that leaven is leavening you. You're not influencing them. They are leavening you. Man's wisdom. We talk about this all the time, that we've substituted the wisdom of man for the uh, wisdom of God. The Bible says, I come not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come in the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power that man's wisdom would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. We have an opportunity to lead these people to Christ. There are so many out there, uh, but we need to be demonstrating the power of God. And we're only going to be getting the power of God when we tell them the truth about Jesus Christ. Remember, Romans 1 says uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the preaching of the gospel of God, that is the power of God unto salvation. We're not going to win them over by patting them on the back and telling them we're happy that they've got a great self-image. We're not going to be over there telling them that you have to have a positive self-image. That is not biblical. We are challenging the fact that they have become lovers of their own selves, that they've substituted their own goodness, their own greatness, their own Worship of self, the Bible says, actually going to be the I am generation. They substituted that for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the idea of taking away the talking about sin in the church, pastors tell us all the time, we don't talk about sin in our church. We don't want to beat anybody up. And they have removed that. And if we are not reminding people that they are sinners before a holy God, then it's easy for them to get in the ditch where they think that, well, I'm God. I don't need to have a God. I don't need to be saved. I don't need forgiveness. I am man. You know, the Bible talks about in Psalms 1, no, Psalms 2, it talks about that the world, these people like this, they say, no, no, we don't want to be bound by the cords of your words. We don't want to be held captive by you telling me that I'm a sinner. And when man places himself on the throne instead of God, that's one of the characteristics that they exhibit. They don't think they're sinners. And if they don't think they're sinners, then they don't need a savior. And we see this on and on in the churches today. It's a very deadly heresy that's keeping people from getting saved. This is certainly characteristic in our present age when men and women are encouraged to love themselves. People are told to love themselves unconditionally and that such self-love is the foundation for a healthy human personality. That's ridiculous. You know, a positive self-image. I'm personally not into this positive talking, positive speech, positive self-image. You know, the Bible says whatsoever things are true, think on these things. You know, I'm into truthful thinking, truthful speech. Uh, The Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. This positive thing, it's humanistic. It's not focusing on the truth. You have to understand who you are, who you are in Christ, who you were before you were in Christ, and the role that you play, not only being a born-again spirit being, but also living in this filthy earth suit. If anybody had any doubts about the times in which you live, all you have to do is just look at this as a manifestation of what Paul told Timothy uh, almost 2,000 years ago. Calvin said this. He goes, the characteristics that Paul describes in Timothy, it's not about bad times, but of bad people. We are living in dangerous times, not because of the times themselves, but because of the wickedness and the depravity of the people. We should note what the hardness or danger of this time is in Paul's view. It's not war. The danger is not from famine. It's not from disease nor any other global warming or calamity that mankind would talk about. But the danger that we're living in is because of the wicked and depraved ways of mankind. And we must use that as an opportunity, number one, to not only protect ourselves, but that's an opportunity for salvation. We speak the truth to them. 
They're a wicked people. They've rejected God, the God that they once knew they've rejected because they were unthankful, that produced unholiness, and that to prove that resulted in darkened hearts. We live in a generation where mankind is all about me, and we see it in church. Romans twelve three. For I say through the grace given unto me, Paul writes, to everyone who is among you, not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. We must see ourselves as we really are, both the good and the bad. You know, we still have sinful natures. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been given new spirits that are in fellowship with God. And that's awesome. But we also have this sin nature amongst our flesh. And it's our job. God didn't take away the sin nature. It's our job to crucify that flesh, to mortify the deeds of the flesh, which includes pride and arrogance and replacing the creator God with our own thinking that we are gods of our lives. So we have to really accept the fact and come to the knowledge that both the bad of what we are in the flesh and the glory or the good of what we are in the spirit, both of these abide in us at the same time. That's the constant warring. Paul says, with the flesh I serve the law and with the mind I serve the spirit of Christ. It's so important that we recognize that we live in a daily constant battle. He said, with the mind I serve the law of God. That's why we have to renew our minds. It's so important. The Greek word there uh, for the love for men shall be lovers themselves is philaltos, P-H-I-L, comes from the Greek word phileo, which is love, and altos, of course, which means self, and it's a self-love. It's the I am generation. So many in the church are full of themselves. We are prideful about the anointing we wear. We uh, walk around saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which is rightly so, but that doesn't place us above the temptation of sin and deception, which still has the potential to destroy us. Barclay writes, love of self is the basic sin from which all others flow. The moment a man makes his own will the center of his life, divine and human relationships are destroyed. Obedience to God and love to men both become impossible. The essence of Christianity is not the enthronement of self, but the obliteration of self. I love that. The essence of Christianity is not the enthronement of self, but the obliteration of self. You need to die to self before you can live to Christ. It's it's an ongoing process. It goes hand in hand. Look at this. In church, your church, you probably did it this week. In church, we sing about ourselves and our songs. What That worship time, it's supposed to be honoring and glorying God and His Son, Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be a time of divine worship where we are so grateful for what God has done, the fact that He went to hell for us. It is He who's to be honored. Our universe is to be revolving around Jesus Christ and what He did. But look at the songs we sing. I am a child of God. We're not honoring God there. We're honoring I. I am. No, God is I am. You are not I am. I am a child of God. Look at that. I am who he says I am. We sing that song too. That's great. But at the end of the day, how does that worship God? We worship God. When we sing about God instead of to God, there's no intimacy there. Our intimacy during times of worship must be intentional. When I am intimate with my wife, It is because I've chosen to be. I am intentional about that intimacy. I want to spend time with Diane. She has my full attention. She's got my 
my body there. She's got my mind there. I am looking at her. I am talking with her. I am listening to her. I am intentional. I am using everything about me to connect with Diane. It's got to be the same way. We're sitting there. We're using the songs that we sing to make positive confessions. There is a place for positive confessions in our lives. I am the healed of the Lord. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in me than he that is in the world. That's important. It's not to be done during times of worship. You are to be building and deepening your relationship with God during the worship and the adoration about him. God doesn't live to satisfy my needs. I live to meet his need for worship. It's so important. We look at the scriptures that we quote, even when we teach the Bible, the scriptures that focus on blessing us. Christianity is not about you being blessed. It's about God revealing himself to you so that you can be a blessing to others. All day long we sing about, what about that scripture? What is it? Uh, Deuteronomy 28, right? It talks about the fact that um, there's like, I think there's 14 blessings that go to you if you will obey God. And we talk about those 14 blessings all day long. You'll live long in the earth. You'll be prosperous. Your cattle will be prosperous and blessed. They'll be fat. You know, your grass will be green. Your wheat will be golden. It's great. And yet, none of that is going to come to fruition if you neglect the condition to achieve that blessing. When you teach on Deuteronomy 28, you shouldn't be focusing on the 14 aspects of what you can get from God. You need to be focusing on verse 1. And it shall come to pass... If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. God was talking to Israel. He goes, I'm going to do this for you, but you must observe and do all of the commandments, which I'm giving you that day. We don't hear sermons on the first part. We only hear sermons on how to get blessed. Even fasting. We've kind of distorted fasting. What is fasting? Well, we do it to get spiritual, right? We do it to maybe get a couple of pounds off, to know God better, to crucify the flesh. All of that is good. And yet, let's look at the Bible. What did God say about fasting? He tells us in Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. Is not this the fast that I have chosen, says the Lord, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you would break every yoke of bondage? Is it not to give your bread to the hungry that you bring the poor that are cast out into your house when you see the naked that you cover him and that you don't hide yourself from your family when they're in need? This is fasting. Fasting is never about us. It's about others. You fast so that you can be a better servant to others. Mark 10:44. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Once again, Christianity, it's never about us. It's about others. But if I keep thinking that I'm God, I'm replacing God, you know, and this isn't something that we do. We wake up in the morning and we say, you're not God, I'm God. It's something that happens over the course of time. And it begins how? By having an unthankful heart towards the creator and what he's done for us. Mm. Spurgeon is great. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite old time preachers. He comments on the last day's behavior and what it means in the long-term health of our society. He says, there are sanguine brothers, passive, who are looking forward to everything growing better and better and better until at last this present age ripens into the millennial. They will not be able to sustain their hopes, though, for Scripture gives them no solid basis to rest upon. Apart from the second coming of our Lord, the world is more likely to sink into a pandemonium of evil then rise and to the millennium. And that, that's a great word from Charles Spurgeon. He's talking about the fact that 
society isn't supposed to be getting better and better. It's getting worse and worse. Society as a whole has rejected Christ. Society as a whole has rejected him as the creator, as the Messiah, as a God who holds us accountable to live by his word. That's why Charles Spurgeon will say things aren't getting better and better. Things are going to get worse and worse until what? You know, the tribulation is this judgment of God upon our nations, upon a people who rejected him. And the rapture of the church removes the church from that judgment. And I know people are holding out hope that we're going to restore America to its days of greatness by doing things that are going to exalt the position of the church. No, 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 no. We're st- God never called us to fix the earth, to fix the planet. He didn't say clean the. He didn't say clean the pond. He said fish in the pond, and that's our job. We're supposed to be saving people. We're supposed to be rescuing people. The true operation rescue is not about getting babies out of the womb. It's getting sinners out of hell. We'll pick up on this uh, next week. I just wanted to give you an introduction to what's going on. I want to warn you about not paying attention. These little subtle foxes creep in and they steal your salvation. They steal your victory. Be wise. Read the Bible. Understand the warnings that are given in the Bible. They are given in the Bible not because God hates you, but because he loves you. I'm Ron Gaia. We'll be back next week. Until then, God bless you and keep you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.